is going to be electric because we have cornbread cornelius esquire the fourth with us coming from dallas georgia on his 45th birthday cornbread welcome what's going on hey brother how you doing we we um we are excited you're here with us uh, i'm here with my co-author ryan eubank ryan go ahead and introduce yourself good afternoon everybody so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about just a little background of, uh, of who we are, okay? Uh, let the listeners get to find out who you are as a person. You don't have to go in too much detail, but just give a little brief background about yourself. So birthday boy, we'll start with you. Currently, I'm a father of two, been married for 20 years with my wife, way longer than that. Uh, you want you want me to start with my childhood or, or what you? Well, want I think hear? I think let's get the listeners just to know a little bit about you. You know, you don't have to oh, go you don't have to go right. into too much detail, but right. just to let you know, uh, Cornbread has two podcasts. Uh, one is right. called Red Blooded Outdoors with him and his son Cooney, and he has another one called Off the Elevator with Jesse, and that's for um, recovering alcoholics. Is that correct? Yeah, anything recovery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so kind of just give us a, a brief background. You got two kids. You're, you've been married to a wonderful lady named Anne, um, and just right. kind of how you who how you became who you are today. Well, you know, I started out my younger years. I grew up uh, around my grandparents a lot, so I was raised in the old timey foot washing Baptist church. My papa was a a deacon pretty much all his life, and uh, my mother, my mother had that strong uh, foot washing Baptist background, mm-hmm. and uh, that that was their their strength through their faith was distilled in me early on, mm-hmm. um, from the very beginning. You know, I never heard my papa say one single cuss word. Wow. Uh, he w- he was strict, but he was strict with with love you know what i mean mm-hmm. with, with but with a backbone too yeah um so that was pretty much my father figure you know my 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 real dad went to prison oh, wow. when i was five years old so you know as a young young child i latched on to papa so so he was basically my dad and uh as year, years went on you know i've become a teenager my mom remarried and uh the man she married i I got to see some straight up two people that was just really, really in love with each other. That's great. And, uh, you know, the, one of those basic movie type deals, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got, I got to, I got to be a part of that. And Mr. Bill, which was my stepdad, you know, I latched onto him in my early years, my young manhood yeah. as, as my dad. And he fell right into that role. And, uh, but then in my in my twenties, along come alcohol, mm-hmm. and uh, to to make a long story short, uh, alcohol was pretty much the biggest part of my life on up till about uh, it's probably what fifteen sixteen months ago. Yeah, wow. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk you know, about wanna, that. Yeah, I want to okay. get we'll we'll talk about where we met and then kind of your journey in the past, let's say a year or so. Cause I think that's very right. important to, to talk to the listeners about. So, um, yeah, talk kind of about what, 
what you do on the spare time. Um, talk about just real quick uh, what you, you know what you do as a profession. Right. Okay. So I've pretty much run heavy equipment all my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now I'm currently running a, a rock crusher at mm-hmm. an inert facility that, that recycles inert materials, you know, trees, concrete, screen topsoil, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into policing there for a while, and I was a police officer for a little over five years. Uh, you, uh, love that job as hobbies. You know, my kids have, my two boys have always straight up just been everything that I did. Yeah. Uh, hunt, fish, anything the boys wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That, that was, that was my hobbies. That's great. Uh, and, and, and now I got the, the two podcasts that keep me sure enough tied up, which I'm sure you're learning starting out in your podcast. And it's a, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of fun. We really enjoy doing it. And it's, you know, it's it stretches me and it brings a lot of great people into my life. Yeah. Well, it's been great listening to you on both your podcasts. And right. um, I just can't wait to have everyone learn more about your recent journey. So we'll give Ryan an opportunity to talk, um, kind of his background and kind of how we met. And then we'll talk about how we all came together recently. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. Well, Cornbread, I've got to kind of uh, mirror everything you said. Uh, I've been with my wife. We've been married for 24 years. We've been together for 28 years. Um, Being a father, being a role model, being somebody that's very stern, uh, wants to make sure that, uh, you know, um, you love the kids, you love your sons and daughters. I'm a school teacher. And the one thing I can tell you is I always love to, I have a saying, I want to hurt their feelings when they're young so they'll love me when I'm old. And so many people in today's day are afraid to hurt the young men and women's feelings by telling them what they really need to hear and the directions they need to go. Because when they get old, that's why we have a lot of these young men and women that you know, live in their mom and dad's basement or don't have a job and they play video games and they sit on the couch and... Now it's time for them to go out and obtain careers and start their lives, and they don't want to do that. And So now the parents are like, hey, you need to go get a job. And the parents are telling them, and now the kid's like, well, you never made me work before. Why do I have to do it now? And then the fight starts to happen. And I always say, hurt their feelings when they're young because they'll love you when you're old. Because if you don't hurt their feelings when they're young, they're going to hate you when you're old. And, you know, I think what you have said about having that, adult figure in your life that you could look up to that will guide you and direct you into the right way is one of the most coolest things in the world. Um, I can't ever say that I had an alcohol problem or I've had any drug addictions. Um, I think if there was one addiction I've had in my whole entire life, it was uh, helping youth and trying to change your life for the better. I wanted to be the father figure in their lives. You know, uh, the one thing I can tell you, Coon, uh, Corny, uh, Cornbread, and uh, John is, you know, my kids, I have three of them. They're the most amazing young men and women in my entire life. Uh, I have the most amazing wife. I've had the best mother and father a, a young man could ever have. So I've always had that in my life. I've had some amazing brothers and sisters. But, um, 
you know, the one thing I can always say, um, my kids uh, always would say, hey, dad, you love those kids more than you love me because I would spend so much time with those young men and women because I seen so many of them that didn't have the grandpas or the fathers or the mothers that really gave them the guidance and direction they needed to put them on the right path. So in life, you know, that was a little bit about me because when I was in second grade, I got diagnosed with dyslexia and I got pushed through school and I was always told that I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that or I wasn't smart enough to do this and smart enough to do that. And so it, it kind of gave me a little bit of PTSD in this life because it kind of gave me, what am I ever going to do? Everybody told me I couldn't do anything until the day that I discovered what everybody was telling me and I tried it and I made it possible. And then I started looking at life in a total different way. When somebody told me I couldn't do something, it was a point proven that I had to prove them wrong. I had to make sure that I could prove to them that it could be done. And so my wife, my protector, my baby girl, she is the one that she always coined the phrase, don't tell Ryan what he can't do, because if you tell him what he can't do, he's going to do it. And, you know, I think that is one of the coolest things when you look at life. And for those that are listening, the one thing my wife never did, never tried to change me. She always let Ryan be Ryan. And so many people in life is trying to change me and tried to make me a different person. And I think that was the one thing that I've learned about me in my life was finding the person that didn't want you to change, just wanted you to be you for who you were. And so when I got into education and started teaching, it was amazing to be able to go out and start to see what you can make these young men and women do and how they can start believing in themselves and becoming something that you never thought in a million years that they would be able to do. So, you know, I've been an educator for 20 years. I taught internationally for eight years. I didn't go overseas or anything, but they flew in to me and I got to educate them, had them come from all over the world. I've got to do a lot of amazing things in the, in the world of welding. I've worked for NASCAR, Monster Trucks, the NHRA, the EAA. I've taught all the different branches of the military. I've taught all the different skilled trade unions. So education is a big part of my life. But being dyslexic, that was the farthest thing I ever thought I would ever be in my life was an educator. Because I never thought I was smart enough and that anybody would ever want to listen to me. Because when you graduate high school with the three, third grade reading level and you don't have your blankets around. And what I mean by blankets is people like my wife a gentleman named Tom Rosium, Sue Rosium, another gentleman named John Gardenia. He is probably the most impactful man in my life. I started working with John Gardenia 16 years ago. And we worked at a, a school called Auburn Career Center. And I was the most misunderstood educator in the country because everybody's like, what is this crazy guy doing? And one day John walked into my classroom and he wouldn't leave. And I didn't understand it because most people, when they came in and they seen the magic that was happening, they wanted to leave because that wasn't the way it was supposed to be done. And when John got in there and he introduced and seen how we were changing lives, John was just infatuated with what we were able to do with these young men that everybody told 
them, they couldn't be anything. Or, hey, just get them through school and we'll worry about them after they graduate. And we were making some amazing men and women out of them. And John started to believe in me. And John always said, God, we make such an amazing team. He was Batman and I was Robin. And the coolest thing about John was he did not judge me. He just let Ryan be Ryan. And he seen the magic happen. And I had people like Sue Rosium and Jana Savoda and Dave Palmer. Those were my bosses. Rich Bazinski. Those guys seen something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I couldn't believe that these individuals believed in me so much. I had a boss one night, time named Rich Bazinski. He called me into his office and he says, hey, Ryan, could you shut the door? I said, you sure can. I said, I shut the door. I sat down and I said, what did I do now, Rich? He says, I need you to do me a favor. I said, what's that, Rich? He said, can you please stop writing emails? And I said, yeah, heck yeah. Thank God, Rich. I said, why is that? He says, I'm so sick of going into these meetings with these high-ranking officials at our school and they're judging you because you don't know where to put the right there where the right there is, where the right where where the right where is, the punctuations, the commas, the question marks. You had misspellings and they were judging you based upon an email, not about the magic that you were putting into the classroom and how many lives you were changing. So whenever you need an email written, please let me know. I will write it for you so these individual people that are ignorant will stop judging you just because you can't write an email. Just keep being you and the magic will happen. And when you have people like that in my life, those are called my blankets. Because without those individuals reading emails and text messages and writing letters, that's not my forte. My forte is changing lives. And that's why I have such a story to tell because I know I'm different. And it's people like you, Cornbread, and John that came into my life that have changed my life. I thought it was impossible to move thirty to lose 30 pounds. I lost 30 pounds in less than three months just by drinking a gallon of water and being around the greatest people in the world. And that's why I'm so thankful for being on this podcast and listening to you and John Gardena tell our story so we can tell people how we are able to change lives. And I totally, totally appreciate what John has done for me. He's probably the most godlike individual I've ever met in my life, the most selfless individual that believes in me and gave me a purpose again. And I just want to say before we go on any further, John, thank you so much for this opportunity to tell our story because it's pretty amazing. I appreciate it, Ryan. I'm, uh, I'm always humbled by those words because I just I feel as we have the same connection and the same drive and mission and and cornbread you're we're, that's why we're here today we're, we're here to tell the listeners this we're all on the mission we're all on a mission to show everyone true what true love looks like right absolutely and to and to do that is really to give yourself up your ego and to really believe in someone else because in in someone else's viewpoint they may see you you know, as a as a <laughs> as a man in the woods, right? <laughs> like, just like a mm-hmm. Paul Bunyan, Uncle Cy coming out of the woods and be like, "Man, that's just some hillbilly." Because let me be honest, at first when we when we first met on Zoom, when we started Forty Days Deliverance, the first glance you always say is like, 
who is this guy? Like, how did he even come into this program, you know, that I developed? And, you know, I wasn't really judging because that's not usually what I do at all, like Ryan said. But to get to know your heart and get to know Ryan's heart, Hmm. like, you guys have such big hearts. And we all together have forged a beautiful relationship to make us better men in our lives for our family and for whether it's our students uh, or it's just people in our life that we're trying to to help show the way. And let's let's talk about where we kind of met. So Ryan introduced how, how we met um, back 16 years ago. And Cornbread, uh, we met, I think it was just before July. Is that right? Yeah, just before July. So, yeah. So why don't you why don't you speak about that that first meeting we had me you and uh, it was Hal, um, and I I made a special meeting because you guys couldn't make the first meeting with the rest of the of the group. So go ahead, just kind of talk about how we met, what forty days, not in a great detail about forty days. That's another that's a whole other podcast, but just how the connection we had, and then what you found out about yourself and how we've how we've stayed connected and what mission we're we've been on for the past three months with Ryan. Does that sound like a good place yeah. to start? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I had seen uh, an IG live with you and Jeff Forrester talk, talking about the 40 days of deliverance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I watched it. And I, I remember Jeff said in it, I, not verbatim, I don't want to butcher what he said, but he said something along the lines of, if the devil can't get you, he'll keep you busy. Mm-hmm. And and I had been currently, you know, inching up on nine, ten months sober, and I was just miserable, to say the least. Didn't know what to do, you know. And I, I you know, I was asking God to show me what 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 can I do. I've been praying, mm-hmm. and uh, man, that struck me so hard. And I think it was. Two or three days later, I seen the post that you had put on Instagram, something along the lines of message me for details. Mm-hmm. So I, I messaged you. And, uh, I bet I, I looked at it probably 10 times that day before <laughs> I did it. And uh, finally I said, yeah, let me, let me message him. And so I messaged you and you, you told me some about it. And I, I went in through the, uh, went ahead and, and got started and then, then noticed the day that it was supposed to start, I was going to be out of town. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that that doubt set in my head. I was like, man, evidently this wasn't meant to be. So I messaged you back, said, sorry, you know, I'm, I'm, going, I'm not going to be able to make the first meeting. So should I just wait till the next time you did it? And I know I said, absolutely not, right? <laughs> right. You said, absolutely not. Like, get, you said, uh, Give me your schedule, something along them lines, and I'll, I'll call you or I'll get with you, and we'll we'll get you lined up yeah. right then. And I was like, Bill, sounds good to me. And uh, so we, we did an early meeting, uh, me, you, Hal, and I believe there was one more individual mm-hmm. there. There might have been. I can't, uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's how we met. That's how we got going. So R- Ryan was also in the, in the 40 days of, of Deliverance would start in July. And, uh, it was different for everybody. Cause we started out with 32 people and, uh, we kind of finished with, well, 
I'm not going to say the word finished, but it it was it slowly <laughs> regressed in numbers. Um, but one thing that stood out to me was what was the plan that you had started um, for yourself because I called you the superstar of the 40 Days Deliverance program. <laughs> and just talk briefly. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Ryan next and talk about how we after the 40 Days Deliverance how we kind of all connected. And where the magic really started between all three of us, the dynamic trio, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Triple right. threat, baby. So go right. ahead. Yeah, Cormac, just talk about your mini experience of, of the those 40 days in the summer. Well, well you know, the, the 40 days, though, there was some things, you know, you had lined up that you wanted us to do. And, you know, we did a lot of things together as a group, Zoom meetings every week. And uh, the... Right off the bat, at the very beginning, you know, I think it's important for me because it was really important to, to the working out and the the praying three times a day and the praying at seven fourteen and the no toxic media. But that fast right at the very beginning, I'd never thought of a fast, and you know, I gained during that fast that it was very personal to me, um, and you know, I had the chance. I started a vacation the day the fast started. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I had people saying, man, you can't do that. You, who goes on vacation and starts a fast? That don't make sense. Start either do it before or wait till you come back. And, um, I remembered in our, in our talk and it, I don't even think you spoke of this about the fast, but you, you you said remember how different the disciples were yeah and uh i thought wow now i'm not trying to act as if i'm that level you know what i mean but i thought i've got my family and friends here and my boys knew through my sobriety that i was working hard trying to build my faith and and doing different things and you know trying to get closer to god and uh so i said no I'm, I'm going to do it the way it's broken down and I'm going to do it. So started that fast, uh, the first full day of vacation and, uh, man, it, the, the, the talking, the conversation that it brought up amongst the group that was there, my two boys, uh, you know, three, four of my friends was astounding. Yeah. The, the, the talk around faith and God and Jesus and, and fasting and, just all kinds of stuff. And I also got to start back working out. I hadn't worked out since like 2014, the first day I was there. I mean, here, here I am, you know, I used to call it my jog. I was half jogging because I couldn't, I couldn't even jog. I was 296 pounds, 296 pounds doing this jog around Panama City, Florida, not having a single idea in the world where I was at. But I downloaded this Strava app that you had talked about that actually showed me a map so I wouldn't get lost while the family was doing the first dinner. Still haven't figured that Strava map out. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) They they did the first dinner. And, um, man, it was that. I mean, it just started off perfect. Yeah, it, it couldn't have started off any better, and it really resonated with me, and I think it helped me push forward to to actually be intentional 
in the program. Mm-hmm. It, it, is that what you call it? A program? Yeah, I think, I think um, it's, yeah. I, it would, it, yeah, it's a program. And I think the reason why yeah. it is, is because it, it's scripted. I mean, there's yeah. daily disciplines to have been had. And also it just makes sure that you are very intentional in each one of those areas so that when you do follow the script uh, of the daily discipline and obedience, that you'll be right. kind of, kind of renewed or transformed right. as a man. And I think that's what I witnessed during the process with you. And that's what made you special during the program was you were, you were on it, man. You were on it. You were very intentional and you had a lot of success because of that. Yeah. I, I feel exactly the same way. And then, you know, to be, it, it makes you, it makes me feel crappy to say, but I, you know, I'd never done a Zoom meeting beforehand or anything. And, you know, you saw how you said, man, who is this hillbilly? You know well, what I mean? <laughs> well, that 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 was really not by any design of my mom or my papa or anyone around me. But really, truthfully, John, that's who I was. Yeah, I was closed minded and alcoholism had hardened my heart. And here here I felt so like I had, like I should do that program. And I, I went into a zoom meeting with people from all over the country Yeah, and, you know, talked about faith and how many, how many times did I cry on the zoom meeting? I'll probably cry before this is over. Cause that's, that's just who I am. Yeah, And just, just so, so many things just opened up and it was all out of, being intentional, being sincere with my prayer, having that structure there, it, it literally blew me away, like daily. Blew, now, there are some of the things that I did not do every day. Mm-hmm. So I missed some workouts. I did miss some prayers. Uh, There's some things that I stuck to hardcore, the praying 714 in the morning for our country, uh, the no toxic media, but you know, if I missed three prayers a day, I was getting two. Yeah, you know, and just that intentional and that sincerity—it it come back to me infinity fold. Wow, that's that's pretty powerful. And I'll tell you this: um, and the program is going to start back up again in January. And I, I haven't really talked about it all because I've just been patient this time. And you learn from the first time going through the program with people, but what I learned from you was that you journaled, you reflected and you really thought about your life and in your mission of what God intended you to, to have done in your life. So what I'm saying for everybody here is I witnessed an individual who, like he said, um, these are his words, right? Cornbread that you were kind of closed minded, heart in heart. Mm -hmm. And then this program was designed for people like you who, who really are just going through the motions of life, who just wish it's wishy-washy, right? Is that kind of how you felt before? Right. And you, yeah. Right. And you were sober like, for eight, nine months, right? Nine, 10 yeah, months. Yeah. It was sort of, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I was saved in 2008. You know, I, I felt, I, you know, you, I went through while being an alcoholic, feeling my faith was strong at the same time while I was praying drunk. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and that's the bride in that, you know, I got to the surprise when the 40 days ended, the last day was one day after a year I had quit drinking. 
And that's not a coincidence. Not at all. Not at all. And, you know, it, it, it was just like, okay, God said, all right, man, you got, you got a base now. You, you was wanting to know what to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, here, here, here is a base. Here is some people for you to talk with, to have fellowship with, to pray with. I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's, it, I can't get the words out yeah. of how much it means, not how much it meant to me, how much it means to me. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Oh, because it just didn't mm-hmm. end on August the 9th. You know, I still have those things and it, it, it just blows me away. Yeah. So, you know, the lessons learned from that program and believe me, putting it on for the first time, I did I had no idea how it was going to turn out. I, I didn't. And just like having this podcast now of, of classroom is, you know, you teach a lesson and then you reflect, what could I do better? And with the 40 wow. days of deliverance, I reflected, what could we do better? But the one thing I do know moving forward from that program is the relationship building that occurred was so deep with some people that I, I just needed that connection to continue and that's why we started <laughs> the the gallon water challenge every day. And it was me, you, and Ryan. I think it was um, not shortly after in September, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I believe so. Right. You know, and the connection that we created was unbelievable. I didn't. Be- I I couldn't believe about three men and a gallon of water a day could inspire me so much. And I think that's the one thing, Brad, that I've learned and John, I've learned. John, I got to, I got to praise you for, I don't know how you wake up every morning and go on a daily run (laughs) by yourself. You know, every morning I get up with my students and we would go walking every morning. And I look at myself and I am the type of person that I will only do something if it's for somebody else. I really don't do it for myself. I do it for the betterment of the other individual. And to have you two on a text message or a phone call that I could hear your voices or I could see uh, the progression that you're doing, it drove me every day. And that's the one thing about myself is that I've always put people before I've put myself. And to see the selfless acts that you put yourself into every day, John, is unbelievable about going out and and having the will to go and run every day and to keep the accountability factor on on the individuals that are in your life because it's just not me and cornbread it's everybody and to see how many lives that you have changed just because of your individuality and your your I guess role modelist uh, you you you're so good at what you do and influencing people it's it's unbelievable and to see that accountability every day. And that's what it gave to me. You know, I was never, I'm, I'm not a very technical person. 
I uh, don't like Instagram. I got an Instagram. I don't know how to use it. You know, um, I don't text well, very well, you know, but that's like, that's like my, as, as far technically I go with technology and I didn't realize how much a text message can change my life, but I looked for it every day and I, I, it was amazing how we kept ourselves accountable and that is what helped me lose my 30 pounds was just knowing that there was somebody else doing it. And if they were going to do it, I'm going to be a part of it and I'm going to do it with them. And so Brad and John, I can't tell you how much I thank you for doing that for me, being the, the men that you are and being a part of my life to be able to make me feel so much more healthier, more prouder. Um, you know, and I think that was one of the coolest things about meeting you, Brett. I've never physically met you. We've talked on the phone lots of times. We've text messages hundreds of times, and I just can't wait to the one day that me, you and John and our families get to meet each other and we get to embrace each other and, and just, uh, you know, praise each other for what we've done and what we've went through and what you have helped me accomplish has just been absolutely amazing. Being a friend and a sounding board and someone to listen to and someone to talk to has just been so inspiring for me. Hey, Brad. Hey, brother. Yeah, I mean. Yes, sir. The, see, the, the beauty of the relationship and what Ryan just spoke about, and I'm just I'm always so humbled to, to hear that um, from others, and it's people have to understand this. It's not about you. It's never about you. That's selfishness. What matters most is what are you doing for others? How are you building them up? So many people actually break people down on a daily basis. Whether you know it or not, your words, your actions, your non-actions, why can't you just be there for somebody? And like Ryan said about waking up and, and trying to set the example is I just want to be the best version of myself and use the gifts God gave me to showcase God and his love. And it sounds crazy because it's <laughs> you say, oh, it's just running and or it's just like you're drinking a, a gallon of water. No, it's not about that. It's not about that. When you have someone in your life, and like these two men, Cornbread and Ryan, that you love and you die for, that's something special. That's something so special. And most people don't have that in their life. I'm going to be honest. There's a void in your, your heart if you're listening. And you can have it. You can have that unconditional love. You can love yourself. You can love your neighbor. And know that always God loves you. And he'll never leave you. But until you start understanding the power of love and how, how it, it's reciprocal and how it also fills people's cup, you're, you do amazing things then. And that's the why. My mission right there is to do that because I love these guys. And I want them to be the best for, for their families, for their occupation, for their community, in this country. And they all know that now. They've probably known it before, 
we, we started our group chat and before the 40 days. But now is the most important time because is the journey's really just begun. And that's where I want to start right now with you guys. So Cornbread, tell me about what's the next steps. Because we were supposed to run a race tomorrow, all of us. And I mean, I was hurt all week. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I have I was crushed. I'm much better now. <laughs> um, not physically, my 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 soul and my my spirits were were crushed. Not by what you, what happened, cornbread, um, but trying to get my wife to do this race too. I and mean, when Ryan came over, my wife was on the couch with her leg up under some pillows, and you know she may have a torn meniscus or patella, and it, it hurt. It hurt me. I felt guilt. And, and Ryan will probably talk about how I shouldn't, but, and then you called or texted us on Monday morning of how you went to the doctor and have a, fr- a fr- small fracture in your, in your heel and your hip. And all I wanted on this whole journey was just to be together on this day on November 20th to run this dirty, dirty 15 K at Squires castle. That's all I wanted selfishly because I know the emotions would be so high. The love would be so strong and the bond would be forged even stronger. So if you can, tell me a little bit about this week, and let's talk about where we're going to go next after this this journey of um, the race and moving forward to help others. So we'll start with you, Cornbread. Okay, so yeah, man. It, uh, you know, in the 40 days, you know, it was 40 minutes working out every day. And you know, the, the, the actual workout itself was just 40 minutes. You choose, right? Mm-hmm. So so I started out, you know, pretty much walking. I was 296 pounds, um, walking, doing some weightlifting here and there in the garage, uh, stuff like that. And we, uh, we did the 40 days. And I, I don't really remember exactly when the race come up. I had seen... I remember I talked to you on the phone and I'd seen you and Chaz did, I believe a half marathon. Yeah. That was in August. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I could, you know, I feel like I could do that. You can, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and you said, okay, well let's find one. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't very long. You you sent me the, the dirty, dirty 15 K mm-hmm. and, uh, broke it down and, and sent a, a, sent plan. a workout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Workout plan. And I, man, when I first opened that thing, I thought I scroll, I scrolled to like week four and it said seven miles. And I was like, there is no way I'm going to run seven miles. Right. So, so I started out and you know, you made a joke one time. You was going to call me etch a sketch because the majority of my cardio workouts was here in my driveway. That's maybe a hundred foot long. And I would work out for sometimes two hours. And John, John called me one night, Ryan. He, he laughed. He said, man, what are you doing in that driveway? I'm going to start calling you Etch-A-Sketch. And, uh, but, you know, so, you know, I, I got that. And I was like, okay, this, this is real. I need, to, I need to start going somewhere where I can actually start trying to, to really jog. And uh, it, it was so crazy. It, it seemed like it took forever before I could run a mile without stopping. Yeah. But once I did, it was so crazy. I could do four miles. 
once I once I was able to do one, I could do four. That's, and that, that was mm-hmm. totally blowing me away. But you know, at the at the very beginning, the the, the thing that that really set solid with me is I I had been trying to jog the hill here at my house during the forty days. Yeah. And uh we had talked early on about going to going to God in suffering and in pain, you know, man, and my calf started burning like on fire, like I'm I'm about to stop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just started praying, you know, God, God be with me, talking to God. And I'm telling you, it was gone with a blink of an eye. I didn't even notice it was gone, talking to God and praying. And that was my, that had been my fastest mile up until that time. And that's, that was so powerful to me. So my workout time in the evenings became my God time. Yeah. Like, like, and as it went on, when it, when it got to the five and six milers, mm-hmm. I was looking forward to an hour and 15 minutes praying and talking to God. Now, sometimes I'd be listening to podcasts and I might listen to a podcast, something strike me and I stop and think about it. And, and that would lead to a conversation, praying and talking with God. Mm-hmm. And it, it wouldn't be about the five miles or the six miles or two miles, whatever it may be. And uh, so, man, I started going through that plan, enjoying that part of it, looking forward to that part of it. And I, I, I did miss some days um, for be it a work or whatever, but I, it was very few. Not trying to be braggish. If I missed anything, it was minimal. Yeah. Uh, and so, so as it, as it went further on, you know, I, I me and you talked and I needed to get some heel work in. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided to start training at the area I worked, the landfill, to to be able to get some incline, some incline into my workout. And I think what it was is I started out um, at the end of 40 days. I, th- I can't remember what I'd lost, but I was in the 280s. Mm-hmm. So when I really started this training plan, you know, I was 286, 284, something like that. Yeah. And um, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of weight to be jogging. And and with my addictive personality, when I do something, I'm a little crazy. I remember you you had told me numerous times to get a watch so you could see my heart rate. And it took me forever, to, not because I was being stubborn, but I finally got that heart heart rate watch Mm -hmm. and you was wanting me to do some heart rate training yeah and you were like no that's that's way too high because i think i'd run i'd run five miles and my heart rate stayed what something like 60 beats oh yeah Yeah. you're like 160s if i remember and Mm -hmm. i want everyone to know like i'm a big believer of how or um uh phil maffetone's uh heart rate training which is basically you take 180 and you subtract it from your age and majority of your workout for your running should be at that heart rate. So I'm almost 40. So I run most of my runs around 140. So like cornbread, right. you just turned 45 today. My boy, yeah. my boy, yeah. bread. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm sitting here with this nature boy shirt on my, my buddy from Ohio. Sent me. Hey, you give me a little, I mean? give me, I need a little Ric Flair. Woo, baby. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh man, it's great though. Like, so what I want to, what I want everyone to hear though, is that you were building 
up momentum ever since July with, from 40 days, the connection, mm-hmm. that relationship that we, that we had and have one, I wanted to continue and I know you wanted to run a race. So I wanted it to build you up through a program, communicate daily. And then we had Ryan. Um, I don't know, to be honest, it was just, it just kind of happened organically where, uh, we all just within the first week we're, we're doing it together, doing the water. We'd started with the water bottle, uh, a gallon of water, right? Absolutely. And I'll never forget it. The first time I drank a gallon of water, (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was a race. (laughs) Who could drink it the fastest? (laughs) Oh, the next thing you know, you're, you're going to the bathroom every like 20 minutes and you're like, yeah, I'm racing to the bathroom because you're drinking so, so much water. Absolutely. That was, that was one of the things I can tell you. I have never been hydrated before. I've learned that. And for those of you that think that you've been hydrated, drink a gallon of water and then you'll feel what hydrated bodies feel like because what a difference it makes your energy, your 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 just your your joints, everything in your body feels so much better after you have drank a gallon of water a day. You do it for a couple of days, it's amazing what a difference in a different individual you'll feel like. There's absolutely no 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 feeling like it it really absolutely give me a new vision really truly did yeah i think um and we did that throughout the whole pretty much the whole training program Uh, i think we tailed off a little bit with the accountability pictures but i know i know for a fact that all of us were still drinking way more much water than we ever had before in our life would you agree ryan absolutely i still I I very rarely will drink anything else other than water. When we go out to dinner or something, um, very rarely will I get anything else but a glass of water. And I would say three, four months ago, I would always either get an Arnold Palmer or an iced tea or a sweet tea or something like that. And now um, it's, it's usually water. And there's really no other alternative for me now. Yeah. And how do, how did you feel with the process of drinking that water, Brad? Man, yeah, I I had the help of the Georgia Heat. Yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we first started, now using the bathroom was off the chain. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was when it first started. It was <laughs> off the chain, and I'm I'm still drinking a gallon of water to this to this day. Yeah, uh, it. I guess you know after week two. It really, to to me, it wasn't no big deal. But you, as, as Ryan was talking, you know, I, I, th- I thought about it is the the relationship we developed in doing this training, the forty days, the water, the the accountability, the the seeing John had already skunked us when we got up that morning <laughs> in the workout. So, you know, there'd be some nights where I was having to do a workout at 11 because I couldn't let my boy just be the only one that did a workout. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and, I, know uh, you, I know what you mean, Brad. And and it <laughs> just so many things here recently have, have helped me see and realize when God lined this up, God lined this up, God lined this up, you know, all that. And then in the midst of that, I went to the basic course. If I hadn't been working out and to be on and strengthening my legs and hydrated to the level I was the day we started, 
and that, that thing kicked my tail. It there, there to be honest with you, there's really no telling what would have happened to me there. Because if if I would have done that on June the 29th, you, you would have been, been you would have been you would have been dead halfway up the mountain. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I know, it, man. And, and all that was put into place for a reason. It's all part of God's plan. It's so obvious to see. It's so obvious to be a part of. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know what though, and, Brad? I'm going to be honest. I I apologize for cutting you short there, but. I want I want everyone to know this. That a lot of people would say, like, well, how how is that part of God's plan? Like for you to climb a mountain. So everyone, real quick, the the three of seven basic course is um put on by Chad Wright and his brother and, and Nathan, their their pastor, and I think it's I think it's in North Carolina in the mountains, right? Somewhere in there. Um but it's but it's a program put on on a on a weekend where you have to climb thousands of feet of elevation um and you got to be you got to be in some decent shape and what you did um and if anyone wants to listen to the podcast it was on three or seven do you know what episode that was uh it's no i don't i don't know what it it's is. probably like 120s if i remember yeah something it, like it has that. your name it has your name on the on, right. uh, on the title but what what i'm trying to say to the listeners is this and actually i'll let you speak it cornbread and Ryan, too, I think this is all very important, is God is in your midst all the time, but if you don't take action, you'll never really see it. Does that make sense, everybody? You guys, does that make Absolutely. sense to you? So, Yeah, so. Absolutely. So, Cornbread, finish, and then I want, Ron, I want to hear Ryan's piece, too, about how how this was, again, divinely um, designed for us all to be together and to, to do these challenges. And I want to talk about your adversity and again, how we're going to move forward as a group after this. So go ahead, finish up with, with how do you think this was divinely um, just planned in your life? You know, like like I said, it was through the 40 days, through the, through the training plan, through, through everything, you know, (laughs) being intentional, with prayer being intentional of you know even you know a lot of times when people pray they they have this big prayer that 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 they ask i learned it's okay to ask god small questions mm-hmm. and even hour by hour uh and 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 go on and go far from there and the 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 more i'm with god the easier it's for me to hear him mm-hmm. whispers pops in the forehead whatever you want to call it 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 was just it's just like when i went to the basic course for example i've been doing all this training i, I met you i did the 40 days i was being more intentional up more open-minded and, you know, I'd had a hard day. I pitched a fit on somebody. I got angry. I got mad. You know, I pulled in the driveway. You know, I just put my head down. I said, God, I need some rest. How can I get some rest? It wasn't 20 minutes later, Blake called me and said, you got a spot on the basic course. And you were like, Roger, and, that. that's exactly what and, you needed, right, at that time. Exactly. And all the time before that in this training, you know, 
like the race, I wanted to do the race. How many times did I tell you I'm coming up there and I'm going to stomp my rebel feet <laughs> all over that Ohio ground. And, you know, I, as much of that is a joke, the competitive egotistical person in me that, you know, I wanted to do that. I know. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, but up until that, that time, God said your training was for this right here. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they titled the name of that episode, Gird Your Loins. I, I asked God for something, and he said, here you go. But it was just way too obvious. Yeah. And I, the, the more time I spend with God, the more I'm in his word, the more I pray, the more I surround people, myself like you and Ryan, and we talk, and we have unconditional love, and it's sincere. It, it's, it's so much easier to see. So it is just no, so I, much easier to say. It it really is. And and the one thing that I think we have to understand as people is sometimes we gotta let go and just trust God's process. And the hard thing again for me this week was to see you getting knocked out physically and my wife who I was so proud of just she's never run more than a mile in her life. And she did four miles just two weeks ago. And I was just elated just to see her, just to be part of something too. And I'm going to be honest, words can't explain the excitement I had for her to be with me and you guys and to meet you. And because she doesn't have that camaraderie. I've always been part of a team and and being a captain or, or just, just, trying to be the best for other people, right? But when it's someone you love, your wife, and to see her going through it, to be to be there, it broke my heart, man. And it broke my heart. And literally the next day when I found out that, that you weren't able to make it, it wasn't about the it really wasn't about the race, even though it had been great to, to have you with us. But I think and Ryan could speak upon this too is it's just that we wouldn't be able to see you. Yeah, um, Brett, it was never about the race for me. Uh, it wasn't about the run for me. Um, it was about being able to embrace somebody I've never met before, but I feel that is so blood to me, it's not even funny. And it's just because of the, you know, the brotherhood that we've created through text messages is just been unbelievable to me. You know, Listening to you gentlemen talk, you know, I uh, I never knew how to pray. I really, I would always, you know, pray um, throughout my life. I didn't know what I was doing or why I was doing or how I was doing it. So I've got the opinion that was stuck in my head a long time ago is if I'm just a great person and I keep giving to people and keep, you know, making sure I'm helping people that it was good enough. And I've always done that my whole life. You know, I've never bought anything for myself. Never, not once. My wife will be like, Hey, right, let's go to the store and buy some clothes. And I'd get clothes, some shirts and a jacket and I'd put it back. 
She's like, but you need that. I don't need it. It'll be all right. I never buy myself a pair of shoes or boots. And so this year we went down to the Grand Canyon and I always wanted a blue truck. I always wanted a blue truck. And me and my wife, it was the Thursday before we were going to the, the not the Grand Canyon, I'm sorry, um, Yellowstone. And we were driving and I told my wife to pull into this dealership. And I walked into this dealership and it was 745 in the afternoon and it closed at 8. And there was a blue truck there. And this is when the uh, the Ford truck famine was out. There wasn't very many of them. And there was a Ford truck, blue Ford truck right there. And a guy walked out and said, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I want that blue truck. He goes, well, there's a guy looking at it right now. And I said, well, here's my phone number. If he doesn't buy it, call me and I'll come back and get it. He says, well, we close at 8 o'clock. I said, well, I'm going up to the Toyota dealership to look at a 1794 brand new Toyota. Uh, it's a limited edition truck to see if they have one. I went up there. It was right up the road. And it was, I asked the guy, he says, yeah, we could have one, but it's going to take you eight weeks. I said, well, I need it for Saturday because I'm going to Yellowstone. <laughs> so I walked out of that store and the guy called me and it was like 755 and he said, hey, the guy just left. And I said, well, did he buy it? He says he's coming back tomorrow morning to put a down payment on it to buy it. I said, I will come back there right now and I will buy it. And the craziest thing about my wife was there was nothing. She said, no, Ryan, you're not buying it. No, you're not doing this. She was there with me 100% of the way because she knew this might be the one thing that I might buy is that blue truck. I pulled in there at at 7:57 and at 8:29 I was pulling out with my brand new brand new, brand new blue truck. The cool thing about that brand new blue truck, I still have an F1 uh, a uh, Chevy Silverado 1500 red one. It's not my truck anymore. It's my wife. She's a big rig driver now. She drives my blue truck. <laughs> but, but, so I've always been that person that would just give and give and give and give. This morning I was driving into work at four o'clock in the morning. I woke up to take my daughter to work because we had a snowstorm up here. And I was driving and she left five minutes before I did. So I told her I would catch up to her, and I called her, and she said, Dad, I'm in the middle of town. I said, all right, I'll catch up to you. So about five minutes later, I called her, and she says, I said, where are you at? She goes, oh, you're not behind me? I thought your truck was behind me. I said, no, I'm not behind you. I hung up the phone, and the car in front of me swerved and went into a ditch. And this is now at, seven, uh, at 4, 4.20 in the morning, and here's a poor guy stuck in a ditch, I tried to push him, push him out with my, uh, with me. So I looked in the back of my truck, and there's a tow strap. A gentleman pulled out, and in ten minutes we had him back on the road and running. I was laid on the ground. I had I was soaking wet. It was rainy. It was snowy, you know. And that's what I thought was always the answer to my prayers was just answering somebody's need or somebody's want. I've given cars to my students. I've given cars. I've called my wife and say, hey, Heather, you got to come pick me up. 
She'll say, what was wrong with the car? He said, uh, well, I just gave it to a student because he didn't have any way to get to work. She goes, well, what are you going to do with the car? I said, well, we had a payment last month. We'll have a payment this month. And I went in and I'd go out and buy a new car. And my wife's like, you are the craziest man I've ever met in my life. But guess what she never did? She never questioned me. And I always thought that that was good enough. Until you gentlemen started teaching me how to pray. And you don't even know that you did that. But it was because of, to see what amazing men you were, it helped me start praying and listening to the Word of God and listening to how to become a better man, not just by giving, but to making sure that you're making your sacrifices to, you know, the Lord above and making sure that you're, you're, you're talking to him every day. And John, on his last uh, classroom, he did the morning prayer. And I have listened to that thing, I, I don't know, 40 to 50 times. And I think it's one of the most amazing things. I listen to it in the morning. I listen to the mid-morning. I listen to it in afternoon. I listen to it on my drive home. And it's just so amazing. And the craziest thing, he sent me a YouTube video about a guy that started to learn. He read the Bible and never understood it. And being dyslexic, I always said, the reason why I don't, I've never read a book before. Because it's so hard for me to understand things when I read. It's not that I can't read. It's just trying to comprehend it as I read. And so for having those individuals in my life that help me by listening to them, teaching me about the Word of God, I think that's one of the coolest things that I've learned from this experience these last couple months because I've learned it so much more than just doing good things for people. It's about doing things for us, doing things for myself, and making sure that I'm talking to the people that I need to talk to and listen to the people that I need to listen to. And so this has been so much more of an experience than the run, preparing my body, strengthening my body for this nine-mile adventure that we're going to go on tomorrow. It was more about the brotherhood you know, John said to me, you know, I feel so bad for his wife and I feel so bad for cornbread. He felt like it was his fault. It was never his fault. It was amazing to see how inspiring John was to have people want to do it because John was involved with it. And that's what I told John. John, it was nothing that you ever did. you got to think of yourself as one of the most amazing men in the world because we believed in you and that's what we want to do more than anything is john is like the guy that we want him to be proud of us and that's like his wife she started to learn what amazing man i mean he's been with her for a long time but now he sees how much influence he has on his past students how much of an influence he has on the adult world how many people are listening to him and she just wanted him to see how proud she was of him. And that's why she went out and she ran the four miles she did. So, John, I just want to tell you, you've inspired so many people. And the things that you do on an everyday basis, John, is just a reflection 
on the man that you are and the influence that you are. And I can't tell you how much I love you and thank you for all the things you've done for me in the last 16 to 17 years of my life. Because you were a guy I never forgot about and I will never forget about. And I just want to say thank you. And Cornbread, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the conversation, the text messages, and you being a part of my life. And I just can't wait till that one day that I get to embrace you and give you a big hug, man. Me too, brother. Same, same to both of you. Mm. You know, it's like Ryan said, John, earlier, how you went into his class and you didn't leave. You know, at the end of the 40 days, uh, it could have been, I, I'll holler at y'all later. But we, there was a bond, a friendship there that, you know, I, I'm pretty much can about guarantee you John's going to call me every Monday. And if it's every Monday, it's probably going to be every other Saturday, too. With some really, I'm talking about just get me fired up if it's about the word, about God, or if it's about workout, working out, or if it's about future plans. It's always positive. Always positive. And I, I will be the first to tell you, there's nothing about that workout plan or nothing that you said that that caused my injury at all. And I've never once felt that way. And I told my wife, and I even told you this, John, that it wasn't about the the 9.2 miles or whatever whatever 15k is. It wasn't. A, it was coming up there, meeting John and Ryan, John's wife. I was hoping to meet your kids. You know, I was, I scrolled through there and showed my wife pictures of your kids on Instagram and hoping to do that. And this this was also going to be the first opportunity for me and my wife to actually go somewhere by ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. And as, as this new season of our lives, you know, our oldest son's moved out and Cooney, he's – He's almost 18 now and he's less time at home. So that we was looking forward to that too. Big disappointment. You want me to go into actually what happened to me? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, sorry, I'm just <laughs> a little emotional uh, from all these, all these words that I just, I don't deserve. <laughs> I just, Oh, you, I'm, you, uh, the, I always say the truth will stand when the world's on fire and it's, it's all true, brother. And, uh, all true. So you know it. That's that's what it was about for me as well, and um, it was it was everything I explained about seeing God's plan. I'll be straight up with you. <laughs> it took till about ten o'clock on Wednesday, after realizing I was injured on Monday, to even start thinking about that because I was I was ticked off. Yeah, I mean, I was ticked. I can I can run 15k in Georgia, up the street. So it wasn't about the 15k at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it it was about the everything I just explained. Um, so yeah, it you know, so I I had to go to the doctor Monday. Yeah. Because I woke up and my leg was just feeling like it was going to explode. And uh, it did that the last Monday before I'd mentioned it to you. But 
but this Monday it was a lot worse and found out that I got a, a stress fracture in my heel, which I don't even feel, but I got one in my hip and they said that they believed it had already been there and was healing and I refractured it again. And I'll, I'll spare y'all the, the country slang of me trying to say those bones that it's on. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a hundred percent positive that I did. I did do that hip, uh, back September the 1st when I really ramped it up at 284 pounds. Mm-hmm. Cause I taught me, I talked with Canada Rob and me and him did, he did some research for me and, and we, we thought it might've been a muscle that is inside your pelvis mm-hmm. and, and it was gone in three days, but I'm about positive now from the x-rays that that's actually what it was. Yeah was I had, I had fractured it then as well. And so, so that hit Friday, man, the hardest thing to do with this whole deal wasn't the pain that I was in. It was sending y'all that text. And I said, well, I'll call John this evening and talk to him. Um, and not really knowing y'all schedule that, that well. I said, no, I want to tell Ryan at the same time. Yeah. So that's that's why I did it in text. And um man, it was just a whirlwind of tea totally being teed off. Just straight up. I I was mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 fought with it and, and I I talked to you on Wednesday and I bet I stared at the the computer for hours just looking at the road up there because we was gonna drive. And looking at motels and finally my wife come to me Wednesday and she sat down beside me as I was staring, look at looking at the map. You know, I'm trekking it out. Still, even after I talked to you and said, No, I'm probably not coming. Yeah. I mean, it was fighting not to come. And she looked at me, she said, <laughs> she said, I understand. I know that you know you can still do this. And you probably won't hurt yourself any worse than you are, Mm -hmm. but you have got to make a decision right now because you are driving me nuts. (laughs) What a wise, what a wise woman. (laughs) (laughs) My poor wife. I put her through the ringer. I don't know. Yeah. For those, those three days, man. And, and I told her the exact same things I just said to y'all that, and she knows it wasn't about the race at all. Well, I think, I think we'll end here soon, and I, I want to just conclude with this for everybody. If you if you made it through <laughs> to the end here, is I want everyone to know the power of the brotherhood. And if you don't have it, just ask. We're here. Just knock, and the door will be opened. And playing sports my whole life is I always knew that trying to be a good teammate and be a good player for my coach, you know, would lift a team up. But now I have an opportunity in my life to build people up, not in a sport, but actually in in their salvation, which is the most important, but also to sharpen their all their skills. And the one thing that I realized during 40 days is that God gave all of his gifts, you know? I mean, Ryan has such a gift of speaking, and his love and, and passion for others. And, and Cornbread, the love you have for for hunting 
and showing young people how to hunt. And you said yourself in your podcast that you love showing new people who never hunted before how to hunt. It's a joy to you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I want everyone to know is everybody has a gift, at least one. Everybody should have a connection with somebody in their life. And if you don't, you can't make any excuses because you can always have a connection. You just got to be willing to ask, whether it's social media, whether it's in person. Don't be afraid to make that connection because it could change your entire life. And it's changed mine. And it's from what I heard from you men today, it's changed yours. And I feel lucky. I feel blessed beyond belief that I've started this journey with you, Cornbread, and continuing this journey with Ryan in, in the book, Molding Minds, to show people that with the right heart and the love and true passion you have for a craft, that you can do anything, anything you want. And everyone has to believe that in their heart. That's so critical for all of us to understand. And if you feel like you're just, you know, going through the motions, you just ask yourself this one question. What if I only had a couple years to live? What if I had a year to live? What if I had a day to live? What would you do different? John, one of my students, Tyler King, on December 8th, 10 years ago, my wife's birthday was December 7th. Tyler called me on December 8th. He said, hey, Mr. Eubank, I woke up this morning and my legs were tingling. And I said, all right. He says, I think they're, they're, they were falling asleep. They feel numb. He says, uh, I'm going to just stay home. I won't be in school today. December 9th, he calls me up. He didn't. His mother did. She says, hey, Rye, this is Andrea King, Tyler's mom. He's in Rainbow Babies and Children Hospital. I said, really? I said, what's wrong? She says, I don't know. He can't feel his legs. He's paralyzed from the waist down. And I said, what? He says, yeah. He woke up yesterday. His legs were numb. He thought they were asleep. And he has lost all feelings in his lower half of his body. And he had gotten a blood clot in his spine. And he was paralyzed. And today I get a phone call from Tyler. He calls me. He says, hey, E. I said, what's up, Ty? He says, uh, I'm in town. I would like to see you. So I said, come on up and see me. I gave him my address and he came up and seen me. Well, when Tyler was paralyzed, he was never expected to walk. And I'll never forget on his journey when he started to teach himself how to walk. He was walking five feet and thinking it was a mile. He was walking 10 feet thinking it was 10 miles. The doctors said that he would never walk again. He's able to fish. 
He's able to go and play basketball. He's able to walk. He re-nurtured his body, his strength. And he didn't gain all movement back, but he's got he's able to walk. He's able to drive a car. He's able to have life. And I think that was somebody that was speaking to him from up above. But the reason he came to see me today is his father just got diagnosed <clears throat> with stage three or stage four cancer. And they gave him six months to a year to live. And John, when you start to think about that, <clears throat> that poor young man has lived a life that I couldn't even imagine. A quick story about my wife. My wife got thyroid cancer and she had to have her thyroid removed. And I'll never forget, she went in and she had her surgery. The doctor, after her recovery, said, hey, if her voice doesn't come back in 14 days, she'll probably never speak again. And I'll never forget it, John. I counted the days. One day. Two days. And on those days, I'd always call her and say, hey, Hev, I'm on my way home. I'll see you when I get there. And she would always say, okay, I love you. And I'll never forget it. When I would call her phone and she would never answer it and I'd get her voicemail, it would say, hi, this is Heather Eubank. Please leave a message. And I was so upset because I could hear her voice. 14 days came and gone. Her voice never came back. On the 17th day at 1.37 in the afternoon, I called her and said, Hey, Hev, I'm on my way home. She said to me, Okay, I love you. I was there on the exact second, exact moment at 1.37 in the afternoon on my drive home when God answered her prayers for her voice to come back. When Tyler called me today, and I knew I was on this podcast, I had to mention his story. Because if there's anybody out there listening, and we could all pray for Mr. King and the fight that he's going to be fighting, I would really appreciate those prayers. Well, let's, I'll pray right now for us. For, I'm sorry, for Mr. Mr. King, right? Yep. <clears throat> Lord, you're such a good father. You've blessed us with so much in our lives. Let us never take a day for granted while others suffer. Let us pray for Mr. King that the precious blood of Jesus Christ poured out on Calvary will renew his body. That he'll be restored back to the man that he once was. That his cells will be rejuvenated. And that he will be healed. There's no mistake with you, Father. You're always with us. We were meant to be here tonight on Cornbread's birthday. Whether he was with us in the flesh or on the phone, we're here together for a reason and for a mission. And the mission is just true love. A love that is unspeakable, but we know it's there in the presence because we've all felt it before. So right now we ask that the Spirit convict 
Mr. King, that he will feel your love, your compassion, and your grace. And that he truly will be restored, just like his son was, who said that he would never walk again. And by faith, he will be restored. And that he may live a full life and tell his story, just like his son's, about being able to walk again. And in walking through this journey that he has right now, that he may just tell everyone about you, that you, Father, were the one that gave him life again, not of the flesh, but of the spirit, because by water and the spirit, he was born again. Let that happen for him tonight. The most important thing is for his soul to be restored. So, Lord, Heavenly Father, we ask all these things in your heavenly name. Amen. 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 Cornbread, it's been an honor. Ryan, it's been a pleasure. And I, I'm so thankful that you came on tonight, Cornbread, even though I know you weren't here. But believe me, I know that for Ryan and I, it means the world to us. The world. Me too, brother. Me too. So you go have some cake, enjoy your time. And Ryan and I will call you tomorrow, uh, probably before the race, okay? Sounds good, brother. Hey, we love you, brother. Love you, Cornbread. Love you. Love y'all. All right, love you, man. Have a good night, okay? Right. Night, All brother. Right. See you, brother. Bye, guys. See you.